Was I just too young to realize it, or was that not like political? Because now it can be like, "What? You don't drive a pickup truck? What are you a fucking communist?" Like yeah. everything is political. Yeah. yeah. Was Y2K a thing where it's? I don't remember it being political. I thought it was just like you know, hey, this is. It was kind of alarmist, but I don't yeah. know if it was political. I think we might have been too young. To realize? To realize that it might be political. Yeah. Maybe then they're like, what, you believe in the year 2000? Fucking liberal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I I remember it. But I remember, like, not really understanding why everyone was so, like, scared about it. Mm -hmm. It's like... I know my computers were, like, just starting to be a thing. Like, computers in the home, like, having your own computer and everything. And I don't think at, like... I think I was in grade six. Um, I don't think that I realized how much computers did in the world. Right. Yeah. So like, I, I just, I don't think I grasped it. I think the only weird thing I remember is that my grandmother filled up like a bunch of uh, jugs of water just in case the water shut down. <gasps> and I was like, all right. Yeah, yeah that makes fair. you feel better. My that's dad cool. bought that's some like thing. soup. Like, oh, we had, yeah. I remember we had like more cans. Extra soup. Than when we, like, usually did. So, yeah. yeah, like, we had that, and I think we might have had, like, a flat of water. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't as bad as, like, hey, people are getting COVID. Get all the toilet paper. Yeah. Why? Does it make you poop more? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we all get toilet paper? <laughs> toilet paper was the thing. We didn't buy any. No. We were concerned we might actually run out because it's just, we just needed to go shopping. It was, like, paper. yeah, we usually buy a thing that's, like, six or eight months worth of toilet paper we don't use a lot of toilet (laughs) paper i guess and then yeah it just was that moment that we ended up being like oh i might need some toilet paper it's time for our yearly toilet paper. and then i didn't want to go buy some because then i'd look like one of those jackasses stocking up on toilet paper yeah oh yeah this is a podcast welcome everyone to another episode of i love this you should too and we are members of the alberta podcast network which is locally grown and community supported my name is indy y2k randawa (laughs) and with me is samantha toilet paper randawa (laughs) yay toilet paper he's would have sounded better it would have yeah you're right that's when we're that last name goes better (laughs) Well, today we each are going to give you one of our spoiler-free things of the week, and then I'll let you know what we are going to watch for our big watch next week when we do our deep dive into a movie. But until then, Samantha, who's our first sponsor of the episode? Our first sponsor is the Well Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. It's hosted and produced by Andrew Paul and Lisa Pruden and explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Or just check them out wherever you're listening to us. Yeah, absolutely. We are here on an indie week. So, Indy, what's your thing of the week? 
Well, as uh, some of our listeners might know, and you definitely know, <laughs> over the last couple of years, I've gotten really into funk, soul, and R&B from the late 60s and early 70s. And one of my favorite artists of that genre is Curtis Mayfield. So my thing of the week is the soundtrack to the 1972 film Superfly, all done by Curtis Mayfield. Ah, is it a funky, awesome album? What is it, funky fresh? (laughs) Yes, yes it is. It is both funky and fresh. Little Child Running Wild, which is one of the first songs on the soundtrack. And I love this soundtrack because you can listen to it and it tells the story of the movie. It's kind of similar to a musical almost. And this came out in a time when like pimps and drug dealers were the heroes in movies. And there's an interesting argument to be made of whether this is like problematic because it glorifies crime and it stereotypes black men or if it should be celebrated because these were the only movies giving a voice to this like really underrepresented population. Uh, whatever side of that you fall on, I do enjoy a lot of these movies and they're just so unique to the time that made them. So here's another one. Uh, the song we are hearing now is called Pusher Man which is from the point of view of a drug dealer. Ain't I clean, bad machine, super cool, super mean, feeling good for the man, super fly, here I stand, secret stash, heavy bread, baddest bitches in the bed, I'm your pusher man. I'm your pusher man. I'm your pusher man. That's got to be one of the most fun songs from the point of view of a drug dealer. It's very dancey. I (laughs) liked it. (laughs) So this uh, kind of followed on the heels of Marvin Gaye's What's Going On from 1971, which was like a a pioneering soul concept album. And these two, and Curtis Mayfield, almost all of his work, is pretty unique because it's really socially aware. The lyrics are about poverty, drug abuse, and the 
film doesn't really take a stand because it kind of, you could argue, does glorify all of this mm, crime. Right. And it doesn't show the downside as much, but Curtis Mayfield's position in the lyrics on the album are much more clear. So now we're going to hear Freddy's Dead, and that is kind of the theme song to the movie, although there is a song just called Superfly, which is actually more the theme song, but this mm-hmm. was the first single, and it uh, sold the most. And it's a pretty ambitious theme because it talks about how a man who was a victim of circumstance, and this could happen to anyone, but then it also pivots into including, like, well, his own choices that are what brought upon this downfall. Everybody's misused him, ripped him off and abused him. Another jacket plan, push and don't for the man. A terrible blow, but that's how it goes. Freddy's on the corner now If you want to be a junkie, wow Remember Freddy's day We're all built up with progress But sometimes I must confess We can deal with rockets and dreams But reality, what does it mean? Ain't nothing said Cause Freddy's day they're also dancey, even though they're kind of about like not as dancey topics. Yeah, well, <laughs> they're pretty funky. Or as Samantha would say, they're funky fresh. They are funky fresh. <laughs> like I was saying, the soundtrack is, I think, a little, I don't want to just say smarter, but a little more nuanced than the movie is. And I do think better. Mm-hmm. Like Superfly's a fun movie, don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's wild. It's something that you don't see anymore, that whole blaxploitation subgenre. Right. But the soundtrack is brilliant and much more well critically acclaimed. And Curtis Mayfield himself was like something of a civil rights leader because he was always a very important voice and a lot of that comes out on the soundtrack. And when he was writing this soundtrack and score, this was his first one, and there's a bunch of just instrumental tracks if you buy the soundtrack, and that's all him as well. So when he was writing all of this music, he tried to uh, balance the influence of the script with the world he saw around him. So that's why I think that the soundtrack speaks to the time and the issues of the time even more than the film does. Oh, interesting. So my recommendation is, well, really all of Curtis Mayfield's work. He does (laughs) a lot of really good stuff. But a a really fun way to get introduced to him is the Superfly soundtrack. And you can listen to it all the way through and you kind of get the plot of the movie too. And you get some that are just scores. And then if you really like it, you can go check out the movie as well. That's awesome. But go check out Superfly from Curtis Mayfield. All right, Sam, what's your thing of the week? Mine has less dancing. Okay. And it's not as funky or fresh. Oh, well. Sorry. They can't all be funky they fresh. They can't all be funky fresh hits. <laughs> um, mine is a book. It's called Don't Look For Me, and it's written by Wendy Walker. Um, and it is kind of one of those twisty thriller books. You do love a twisty, turny thriller. I love a twisty, turny thriller book. Um, So this is about a woman named Molly Clark who, um, in the middle of a hurricane, walks away from her life. Oh, that would be the time. If you want to start a new life, 
wait for something like that to happen and then people just go like oh i guess they died yeah and it sounds like uh from the beginning of the book you find out that her family is really kind of fractured and um there was a death in the family and uh the police when they start looking for her when she's reported missing are like well it sounds like one of those women who just walk away from their lives because everything's too hard and they just want to one start of those again. women one is of that like a women. thing that happens yeah a lot? it totally is okay like a thing that the police say um so she wants to start over and she doesn't want to be found and then a week after she disappears she uh her credit card is charged at a hotel in that area where they think she disappeared and there's a note and her clothing are left there um but her kids uh or her daughter mostly thinks like this isn't Nothing makes sense here. Like, my mom wouldn't just walk away. She's like... So it's not the point of view of that missing character. It's the mystery is, is she actually missing or is did she leave? So it's from both the point of view of the missing woman and the daughter who's looking for her. Okay. And that doesn't kind of spoil the mystery because we hear her point of view? Uh, you know what's going on with Molly right from the beginning. Okay. And then um, her daughter kind of becomes like the secondary narrator uh, as she's searching for her mom. And uh, Molly is picked up on the side of the road uh, by a man and his young child. And she says, oh, this seems safe. They'll get me to the casino or like wherever's close, close hotel. And uh, then all of a sudden she's taken prisoner. And so she was running away and then gets she abducted. She gets taken abducted. Oh, yeah. Wow. And then there's um, a lot of like twists and turns. But the interesting part of this is you never know who the man is. That takes her prisoner. He never gives her her name. His name. You never find out um, like who he is or what he does outside of the cabin where she's being held. Ever ever. Uh, you find out at the end, oh, and okay. it's a big twist. Ooh. So um, the daughter's working with like the owner of the hotel in town, the bartender, and the police, and then all of a sudden everything like it's like when you like pull a rope and it gets really tight and everything's just tied up at the end and it's really fast or unraveled at the end perhaps unraveled at the end i guess or yeah. more knotted more confusing no less confusing oh, okay gotcha <laughs> but yeah so it's really interesting if you like um kind of like thrillers or like mystery novels this is a really good one because you never really know from either side of the narrators what's happening and how closely aligned they are and how close they get to finding each other on like multiple occasions is this your favorite genre of book now the twisty turny thriller i think so because it's like a little heavier but it's not like depressing right so um, if you are looking for a fun, twisty, turny thriller, uh, you can check out Don't Look For Me by Wendy Walker. Nice. It seems like I don't read a lot of contemporary novels, mm-hmm. but way more than in the past, novels have multiple narrators a lot now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like that? Um, it can be confusing, especially if you're... Like, picking it up and putting it down a lot. Um, I think 
in this case, it worked really well because you're hearing the same story from both sides. And you listen to the audiobooks. Yes. Do they do different narrators for the different characters? Yes. Okay, so that probably helps out yeah, a lot, Yeah, um, it can get confusing if it's, like, one person doing different voice work. Right. Um, then that can be kind of confusing because you can't always, like, catch on to who's who. <laughs> or if you don't pay attention for a second and you don't hear who's speaking. So, yeah, this is... um. And this is nice because you got two different people completely speaking. I feel like I hadn't read a single novel with multiple narrators. And then in books of the last 10 years, almost half of them are. Yeah. It's really come along. Yeah. Sometimes it seems lazy. I gotta say. I could see that. There are ones where it works very well, but. I could see that as a way to like beef up your story by telling like the same story twice. So then you get like twice as many pages. (laughs) Right, and it's probably employed in uh, mysteries most often, right? Mm-hmm. I'd say so. And this episode of I Love This You Should Too is brought to you by the Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you can be calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online anytime on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. Okay, Indy, it's your week to tell us what movie we're going to be watching for next week. You've been doing your work lately. I've gotten you to watch Citizen Kane, I think... Half of the last four movies I've given you have been in black and white. There's been stuff from the 40s and the 50s (laughs) and the 60s. So you've been doing your work and I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. So this might be my last pick for summer. So I thought I'd go with a summer blockbuster. Ooh. One you haven't seen because this is the first summer blockbuster. Ever? Yeah. When did summer blockbusters start? 1975. Oh. The idea of summer being a time for like kind of big fun action movies started with this movie. Whoa. Do you have any idea what it could be? No. 1975. Uh-huh. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Oh. Iconic score. Titanic. Uh, what? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Does Titanic have an iconic score? Soundtrack. Soundtrack. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And the stars are Roy Scheider, Richard Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it is yet? No. Maybe the third star will tell you. And a giant animatronic shark. Jaws? We're watching Jaws. <laughs> oh, okay. You've never actually seen Jaws. I've never seen Jaws. It's good we got all of our lake going out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of our body of water. I swam in the ocean last week, so now I don't have to be scared of sharks. Yeah. Also, um, you kind of just don't need to be. Oh, okay. You're way more likely. Oh, wait. I should stop that sentence now because what I was going to say is you're way more likely to be killed by me than a shark. Ah. <laughs> because really, like, uh, if anyone's going to kill you, it's probably your spouse. True. So I'm watching you. I'm not going to kill you. You better not. You're more likely to kill me than a shark would, though. True. I'm glad you agree (laughs) with that. So, yeah, we are going to watch Jaws. And Jaws was the movie that kind of started the whole idea of summer blockbusters. It uh, came out and it did incredibly well in the theaters. And that's 
the one that started the idea of like, oh, yeah, we should save our big movies, like the big kind of popcorn movies Mm -hmm. for summertime. And then they all come out there. People go and uh, watch it because they don't have air conditioning at home. So they go to an air conditioned theater. I was going to say the like air conditioning times. That's when you want to go is when it's like 30 degrees outside and sit in a nice, cool, dark place. And Jaws is kind of a summer movie, too. Mm. It is about the summer and sharks. What do you know about Jaws? Uh, there's a shark. Mm-hmm. Um, it eats a boardwalk. Okay. Does it? We'll see. Okay. Um, I remember going to Universal Studios and seeing oh, there's yeah. like a Jaws. I don't know if it's a ride. I think it might have been one of those things where you like walk through and see. I think you're sitting in a like cart kind a of thing. boat? I don't remember. So I actually went on that, but I was five. Yeah, I was pretty young too. I think I was like seven or eight. I think you sit in something, but I thought it was something on wheels or on a track or something. But it it might be a boat. But yeah, that's right. Oh, wow. I'd forgotten all about that. One of those boats on wheels on a track. That's true. Uh, But so I remember like the shark jumping out and taking a bite out of a dock. Okay. I might be mixing a bunch of things together. I think that's true. Um, And then, I don't know. I feel like I remember people running on a beach. Yeah, that seems. Okay. Like something that's going to happen in any shark movie? Yeah. (laughs) I hope my guesses were right, because I might just be mixing like six different rides together. (laughs) (laughs) So you more know the ride than the movie? Yes. Do you know anything about the movie? No. You know the music? Dun-na, dun-na. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, very iconic. Uh, I think this was the highest grossing film of all time when it came out and wasn't surpassed until Star Wars in 77. Oh, wow. And both of those movies, like we'll talk about the artistic stuff on the next episode, but it really set up the idea of the summer blockbuster and changed Hollywood business models a lot so that's kind of its biggest influence but that's not nearly as fun to talk about so uh next week we'll break it down i actually haven't seen jaws since 1978 since before i was born (laughs) yeah that was the last time i saw it wow i feel like i've only seen jaws once okay and i remember it being good i'm not exactly sure why i ended up picking this (laughs) something happened this week where i was Someone mentioned Jaws, and I was like, oh, yeah, I want to rewatch Jaws. I do this podcast about movies. Maybe we'll do Jaws. Yeah. And it is, I think, going to be a funner, lighter movie. Right. So uh, it's kind of a, (laughs) since you did so much homework lately, that I thought we'd do one of those. But then it's still from the 70s, so you know how I love those 70s movies. I know you do. I'm excited to watch this, because I feel like... This is another like big pop culture movie yeah. where there's like a lot out there about it. But like I don't actually know the characters or what happens. And this season, season four for us, yeah. year four, I feel like I've been going back to the indies film school a little more and kind of doing those big touchstone movies. Yeah. And following up on Citizen Kane... Oh, we were listening to something the other day about like important iconic movies through time. Yes. And I was like, Jaws is a very important movie. Yeah. And Spielberg became one of, if not the most important American filmmaker True. after the, like, the next 20 years after Jaws. Everyone knows Spielberg. Yeah. And although this not his first movie, it was uh, like a real breakthrough for him. Mm-hmm. And he uh, went on to like really 
some might say perfect the summer blockbuster in later years maybe peaking with jurassic park but you know that's a point of debate either way people love jaws (laughs) i haven't seen it in a long time and we did once go to a water park years ago where they were screening jaws oh while we were there but we didn't want to sit in a lounger and watch the screen and we wanted to go on all the water slides. Yeah, because it was like the quarter of the capacity that's usually at the water park. So we were like, no, we're going to like not stand in line. Well, this is, uh, sometimes we tell personal stories, so might as well (laughs) do one now. Uh, I was a a pretty bad germaphobe for many, many years. And I had a goal that one day I want to be able to go to a water park and not throw up or have a panic attack. Right. So it was like 10 years of work. (laughs) Yeah. And I was traveling a lot, so that helped me too. And I just didn't like the idea that there were things in my life that it was preventing me from doing. Right. And so the peak of this was to go to a water park. Mm -hmm. And then when I finally got comfortable, it was not too long after we met and you bought me tickets for my birthday, I think. I think it was, yeah, birthday or anniversary or something. And we have a very big water park here in Edmonton. Yes. And they were screening Jaws. You know, I like movies from the 70s. And it was 18 plus. Yeah. So no kids. The water park is only fun if there's no children. (laughs) (laughs) Like a lot of things. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, it was an evening and we got to like be front of the line for all the rides or all the slides which was awesome yeah but they were showing jaws which i really wanted to watch but there's also water slides so we went and did that yeah i was fine as long as i wore water shoes you did we both wore shoes the entire time also i think that's for the best because those floors are really rough yeah and i know i've come home from the water park when i was younger with like like sand papery and the idea of having like an open wound in there that would that would be too much for me like i know i've like come home with cuts on my feet oh that sounds real gross uh so yeah i wore my water shoes (laughs) and uh went on slides and i didn't freak out and i had a great time and now i love water parks you did so good yeah (laughs) but we didn't get to watch jaws until now. Yeah, I don't even remember. I f- totally forgot that that's what was playing that night. Yeah. <laughs> because we didn't. Like, people were sitting in the water in inner tubes watching the screen. Yeah. But then we couldn't hear it from anywhere else except for, like, right in front of the screen. Mm. So we just, like, I didn't absorb any in the movie. No. Other than that there's a shark. Well, this is our chance. So... Head out there, watch Jaws from 1975. Jaws 1. None of those other garbage ones. Oh, is there more than one Jaws? Oh, there's so many sequels. Oh. Jaws 3 was so... Uh, we'll get... Well, maybe we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it. it okay. <laughs> and it spawned like a whole genre. Like shark movies yeah. are huge. I've watched a few shark movies. Yeah. So let's uh, watch the original. It is on Amazon Prime, streaming for free in Canada at least. Uh, Check out wherever you are. It might be on things like Netflix and that, but you can definitely get it on Amazon Prime. And it is a pretty big, pretty famous movie, so why not check out your local library and see if they have it there? Yeah. Watch it and join us here next week. Let us know what you think. Steven Spielberg's 1975 blockbuster hit, Jaws. Oh, that was... Looks like we practiced that. That was great. That was totally ad-libbed. Bye, everyone. See you in the water. I don't know why I'm attracted. Yeah, that was was (laughs) good.